Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries. This is a fast catch-up and the second episode here of the Hostile Takeover, where me, Adam, here of the creators and founders of the Fantastic Universes, brings to you my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming. Bringing a friend and a fan of a game of every week, we talk about something very special. And this is quite a special episode because this is somewhat a return to form. Me and this dear friend of mine talked about something similar way back in the day but we'll get to the actual meat of the legends of runeterra new cards in a hot second but first i want to talk to my guest and my dear friend will sir how are you this evening hello yeah i'm very excited to be looking at these new cards because they look amazing they do indeed uh we can always be very excited whenever new cards come up because we've been had a you and I have had a storied history when it comes to card games, haven't we, sir? Why don't you tell the fine listeners at home about our gaming history, why don't you say? Oh, way back when at university, yeah. Um, from my vague, foggy memory, I seem to remember us at, um, I think it was like a gaming society, um, and I was sort of walking past a table, and I sort of twigged a game, and I sort of questioned you about it, and you're like, oh yeah, this is this, I have some vague understanding. And that's sort of where we got into magic, and then ultimately all these other beautiful games we found now. Yes, indeed. Our friendship kindled over the other great games by Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons, roping you in as you were somewhat sitting there at the corner, wondering, can I get involved in this? And I sure enough <laughs> sucked you in, as I have done with many others. But uh, our friendship grew sort of around magic, I would say, around magic and Dungeons and Dragons. And it was definitely a catalyst, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There was a brief period right at the beginning where we both thought that Hearthstone was pretty good, but we've since grown up. Yeah, yeah. it's... I mean, to be fair, Rude and Terror is sort of the baby of Hearthstone and a few other card games, so... I think that's uh, why it's so easy to grok for people coming from the digital card games or a place, because it has Hearthstone sort of growing mana system... But I love it for the actual intricacies and counterplays that it gives you with uh, something very similar to Instance in the form of Fast Spells and Burst Spells. So it's sort of the marrying of those two card games together, I would say. Yeah, I feel like uh, Rune Terror is a lot richer in that if you feel yourself losing, you can bring it back. Whereas Hearthstone, I always felt as soon as you were losing, you just lost. <laughs> yep. Perhaps that was just me being a bad at Hearthstone. Hearthstone's like that, I suppose. It's because it's a there were what thirty card decks, two of a card in the uh, decks, I think. Yeah, that sounded right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the variance in that game was through the shop, and you can argue that the variance is quite similar in Runeterra with three of a card, but forty cards to a deck. But there's enough detail and power in the raw cards themselves that you don't necessarily need to see your champions or your powerful epics to win. You can be efficient as long as you know how to build a deck with a mana curve and all of the other things that magic have taught us absolutely yeah yeah and i love the intricacies of rune terror that you can flip champions you can meet certain criteria with landmarks now you can do all these sort of complex little things that other games don't often do yeah they've really hit the nail on the head with this one there's been so much talk around some of the reviews and senior gamers that i follow online who follow League of Legends, what Legends of Runeterra is based on, and they rightly say that Runeterra has no business being as good as it is and is surprisingly underfollowed as it is. Um, as of the time of recording, we've just finished the first major world championships, and 
I think uh, either the European or American player has won this tournament of a cash prize of 10,000 US dollars. So they have the backing for it. But when you get the fact that this game could be so layered, but it's also so approachable, unlike, say, Magic Arena or Magic Online, where it can be on desktop and phone, anyone has the capacity to begin this game because it's just so open and well-designed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I came into this knowing absolutely zilch about League, and now I feel like I mm. know less than zilch, but still pretty not much. <laughs> Honestly, the exact same, because uh, I discovered this game by accident. It must have been around uh, end of April, beginning of May, when it was blowing up the recommended feeds on the Google Play App Store. And a little thing called um, lockdown was gripping all of our minds. So I was like, eh, this looks like another one. But I recycle through phone games very quickly. So I was expecting to pick this one up, play for maybe a few days, and then drop it like I usually do. But it sucked me in, dude. This game, honestly. I don't know how. It's just there's something about it. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it, not to compare card games, but we've both agreed that this has at least recently overtaken magic in what it's doing it's just a lot more uh, creative in what it's putting out there i feel for me personally yeah there's been certain design and managerial decisions that magic has made that have really soured the game for me i still love it and i still play it most days but legendary terror draws me back in every single day and i feel such an investment to these characters and the overall gloss of this world that I'm more than happy to grind this one over Magic Arena, which is, which would have been heresy for me to say six months ago, but it's something I will stand by now. <laughs> and also real world events, you know, this is a online platform which is very accessible for everyone, whereas Magic is very, still very paper based, even with Arena, I feel. So. Very true. Honestly, I'm so grateful for this game showing up when it did for my own brain space and sanity and i'm i feel like it took a bit of beating and some selling to get you interested in it but i i hope i wasn't badgering you too hard with it <laughs> you are the badger in my life but it, you're definitely a welcome badger so <laughs> the welcomest badger but still with uh Rintero just hot on our brain spaces because we haven't even talked around the context of us and the search because on my previous episode i had our hostile atmosphere co-founder v talking about her current obsession dead by daylight and she talked very heavily about her history of pc gaming and console gaming with some of this weird fighting games she used to play with her brother into minecraft and left for dead with me and you so mm. i feel like your your history is somewhat storied pc console rolling dice with board games what is gaming to you my friend before we talk about the nitty-gritty of the cards yeah i mean when I first started as a young, small gamer, I mean, I tried a little bit of everything. I think I started out way back when with PlayStation 2, GameCube, things like that. But I flicked around with them. I couldn't really find a good settling point. And it was when I got the 360. 360 was so good in its day. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was the good console. That was definitely the console I started with. Yeah. That, I got, that I got serious with. I love my GameCube still, but the 360 is definitely where I got serious about games of a whole. It's the early Assassin's Creed and the Batman Arkham games for me personally. Yeah, yeah. All of. I mean, I didn't do the uh, Assassin's Creed. I've never gotten into that yet, but certainly, uh, yeah, everything else. I was very into Halo as well. 
Oh, I love I, I remember, so much. I set that to maximum difficulty and went through the campaign. <laughs> Got quite far, you, actually. You did? That's heroic. I know. I never did that. I, yeah. did that. I got three-quarters of the way and then gave up. I was so sad I gave up. That would be yeah. my like retirement thing. <laughs> it's good to have goals, I guess. That's a reasonable one, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, then uh, PC gaming from on there, really. Um, PC, you can just access so much. And as soon as I found Steam, that was just my love because you could just find any game you love and just play it and keep it forever. Very true, yeah. Steam and now recently the Epic Games market has been very good for me. Yeah, Epic Games is doing very well, yeah. Yeah. I'm in the habit now where I um, go into it every Friday and just add whatever the free game of the week is into my library because you never know when it might be handy for our channel or just to look at stuff. Yeah, yeah. Recently I've been playing uh, one called Kingdom, which is very, very retro, but still very good. So it shows the variety of games that's out there. Very much so. But uh, we are very singularly minded, I think we should say. We're going to pull back into our card gamey fortress of House of Cards, shall we? That was a weird metaphor, but I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> yeah. So as of today, as of the time we're recording this, on the 14th of December 2020, we have now seen every card from the Cosmic Creations expansions, the last set of new cards we're going to get this year before February when we get a whole other region coming to the game. We've finished up our sets of champions with a new one for Piltover and Zorn, a new one for Noxus, and a final champion for Targon, with, of course, a few random cards scattered to the other regions. In all, I'd say this expansion takes my fancy way more than the previous expansion with the likes of Soraka, Tom Kench and Shivana. Personally. Okay. okay. What well, what's particularly grabbed you from this then? Well, to go in the order that we've seen some cards, Piltover and Zorn is very easily my favourite region, and I have to agree with some of the stuff that a YouTube personality and someone I've repeatedly said on stream a big fan of Mogwai saying that uh, a lot of Piltover and Zorn's design space is all in about randomness and random effects and random cards and they've started to take this foot out of that with the design of the augment mechanic and victor which is something i'm very excited about yeah it seems very specific which i'm interested in yeah yeah so we the first champion we got to see was victor i sort of sold him his character to you because i heard about these characters months ago before even the first lot of targon cards came out because their voice lines for the actual card animations were posted online uh, in collated videos, so I knew pretty much who was coming. So I sold Victor to you as a Russian member of the Borg from Star Trek. <laughs> Which is just uh, amazing, yeah. <laughs> yep, something I know you love because uh, Star Trek is a classic and a favourite to your heart and you strike a lot of vodka back when you were in university. Yeah, I was known as the Russian, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. But uh, as for our Russian steampunk Borg, what do you make of him? Because I really like this card. He's interesting, yeah. Um, I mean, playing plus eight created cards seems steep, maybe? I don't know. It is quite steep, but we can. I can say that he's much more reasonable than some of the other champions we've got in this expansion because it's you've played eight cards, not I've seen you play eight cards, which means he can level up while he's still in deck. That's true, yeah. 
and when champions level up in deck, that is always much more helpful. Very much so, because the if they need to see cards in play, there is always the worry that they're going to get removed right before the level up happens, and you find yourself swarming with value. I will cry every time someone kills a Twisted Fate when he's like six or seven gods out of eight. <laughs> that hurts. It really does. But still, have, having him be in deck but still level up when you've played eight created cards is very much a point in his favour. Yeah, I think he'll definitely see play. It's mm. just uh, to what extent, I'm not sure yet. Well, that's the interesting thing. The actual design space of, cr of playing around created cards, is this is the first effect that's actually cared about this, which is, uh, which is incredibly exciting. And when you think about it, the possibilities of like deck shells for him are immense. Oh, right. They're honestly really immense, because in just Piltover and Zorn alone, you've got Ezreal, because he makes those mystic shots. Yeah. And more importantly, you've got Heimerdinger, because he makes all of his robots. They're creative cards. Oh, of, yeah. oh, of course. Yeah, so if you play him and either Ionia or Targon as like a Spellslinger deck, you can turn him into an absolute Voltron machine. He's crazy. But then if you look at the other regions... Particularly when you level him up, because when you level him up, your creator cards cost one less. If you pair him with Targon, gems are free. <laughs> gems are free. And that makes the card uh, Shards of the Mountain, four mana, slow spell, fill your hand with gems. That makes that card immensely playable. That's very interesting. That, okay. makes, that, card, that makes that card immensely playable, because that's four mana. Say, say it's like mid to late game. And you're on like four cards in hand. You play Shards of the Mountain to give yourself six gems. And if you were to be crazy and pile them all onto Victor, that's plus 12 plus zero because it's plus six from the gems in your hand, plus six for his own augmentability. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. If you've been lucky enough to put uh, Elusive on him from his own signature spell, the Hex Core upgrade, then that's an insane attack value. Yeah, that would probably win you the game by that point. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely see him in a Targon shell now you've said it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's probably the most likely thing. However, there is also one decidedly more meme, but also quite possible and very you version if I think about him. You play him in Freljord with Aurora Porealis and Lonely Poro to because those are crazy cards. That seems janky and something I will 100% build. <laughs> because when you look at the actual, some of the other cards that have come from Piltover and Zorn in this expansion, the Mechanized Mimic, uh, 5 mana 3, 4, but when they attack, you grant her all keywords on allies. If you've made a bunch of Poros, they all have random keywords, which I'm sure she'll be grateful to appreciate. Yeah, yeah, she kind of seems like a less good Heart of the Fluff. Yeah, I could say that. It's a less good Heart of the Fluff or a like a single target for um, give it all. It's yeah. very specific, but it still has some playability to it. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And while we can talk quite highly about some of the new toys that Piltover and Zorn are getting, I will have to defer to a expert in the genre and say that there are some cards here that are good but some that are not necessarily as great for example victor signature spell the death ray it levels itself up because you pay one to deal one pay two to deal two pay three to deal three it's good single target removal but i feel that the tempo loss of denying yourself fresher cards 
compared to what may be considered like weaker versions of say um blade's edge or mystic shot or what have you that is some sort somewhat of a tempo give and take that you wouldn't necessarily make with yourself but i still think it will see some shellers some players like a fourth or a fifth mystic shot even though it's not necessarily the best yeah it's kind of watering down your deck but mm. i suppose if you've got a very heavy spells matter deck or something like that it could fit in it yeah depends. i'd say that i would say that it, it very much depends but um the overall quality of the Piltoverin's own package that we're getting from the set so far it looks very interesting, especially the combo potential of the landmark Hexcore Foundry. Hmm. Yeah, that that has a uh, that seems interesting to me. That seems a very specific build you'd put that in, but I have no idea what that build would be. <laughs> I personally, I would either pair it with Twisted Fate because mm. I love that card. I'd pair it with some manner of Anivia control deck so that you can necessarily find your Anivias quite uh, quite decisively and pair it with, say, Funsmith to make the Snowstorms deal extra damage. Or, now go with me on this, because this one's the, the strangest, you pair it with Maokai, and you find a way to toss, as, toss cards as in addition to the cards that you draw with Frogs and uh, Debris Monderers to try and meld the opponent. Huh. <laughs> that, that, that's all I can really say to that. Yeah, I don't know if it's good, but it's funny, so I'll try it in normal rank. What, forcing Mill in Rune Terror? Mill's fine if your draws are good. It's not reliable, and it's not something I'd ever take to a anything real, but it's a thing that exists. Okay, okay. Mm. I'll humour you on that one. <laughs> Fair enough, indeed. Fair enough, indeed. Um, very happy to see Aftershock here. Piltover and Zorn deserve something that destroys landmarks. I think every region should have something that destroys landmarks, just in case. Yeah, I think the option should be there, yeah. But uh, what do you have to say about the Piltover and Zorn cards? Yeah, I mean, nothing really screams, oh my god, that's amazing, but there's some definitely nice things. Um, for me, the... Uh... Uh, the, oh god, how do you say that one? <laughs> Pick a follower, create a copy of it. Oh, uh, iterative improvement. That's the one, yeah, it's a bit late for me for that. Um, but that appeals to me as a Teemo player, at least, so. Uh, I would have to say that pick a follower means you can't pick Teemo. Teemo oh, champion. no, of course, yeah. You it's can good pick, for yeah. value cards, like your um, Mushroom Peddler. Yep, you pick Peddler, you pick Chump Womp. Yeah, because if you bring back a peddler, then he comes back as a four-four out of the uh, get excited range. And if you pick Chump Womp, he comes back as a five-four with the two mushroom clouds in hand. Also, those are created cards that go towards Victor. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So all the cards kind of work with each other, I suppose. In their own way, yeah. Which In I'm... loose way, yeah. <laughs> then again, that's also the essence of deck building because uh, card designers will definitely try and like angle certain archetypes towards it but it's always good when the player base can see something that the designers never saw and that ends up being an amazing deck mm, absolutely yeah but we've got quite a wide array of piltover and zorn here but now we go to the next region that got its champion and a huge breadth of cards the new region on the block being targon and everyone was so excited for zoe me too but 
I may be one of the few people on the internet, other than maybe you, who also agrees that Zoe's there. I mean, let's look at her realistically. She's a one-mana, one-one with elusive. So mm. she's basically the new Teemo on the block. Nexus Strike, she does something. That's all right. I mean, she's not really going to win you games. She's going to be your sort of value engine, I suppose. Yeah. She's going to be getting you things. Yep, I'd definitely say that. Um, I mean, the things she's offering you, so the super cool star chart, which gives you a celestial card that costs three or less, and then the things that there, plus the, it does that access the old celestial cards that are three or less as well? Yep, that's going to be all the Celestial cards that are currently out right now. They haven't put out any new ones so far. But the ones at three or less, the ones that you make off of a Spacey Sketcher, those ones are actually still pretty good. Because in terms of just units, you've got the Zero Mana Snake. Mm -hmm. You've got the Puppy that draws you a card. Mm -hmm. You've got the Bull, the 4-1 with Overwhelm. And you've got the Otter, the 3-3 with Elusive. Yeah. So the units are actually pretty good. They're very reasonably costed for their abilities. So it's not a bad trade-off, but it's... Yeah, it's what, it's what you can expect from a level 1 champion, I would say, at this cost. Yeah. As I say, she's more of value rather than winning you the game. But yeah. I think we were all hoping for some sort of game-changing big champion, whereas we've just got a little... A little Zoe, really. <laughs> yeah, little little Zoe is pretty much what I was expecting, but I was expecting... I mean, at least give a spell shield, right? Yeah. Because I mean, in the law... Sorry, you go on. Go sorry, on. yeah. Because in the law, she's from outside of time and space. She's sort of like Batmite or Mystic Pitalix from DC Comics. She is a being on a power level to Aurelian Soul. Also, she is one of the most annoying champions to play against in league of legends from what i hear so having her that level of difficult to interact with would be a point in her favor because i just look at a one one and i laugh in shadow worlds <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's how you first described her to me is yeah. that being on that level for league of legends but now she's out i think we both had a different expectation in mind i suppose Somewhat, yeah, because yeah. I can rattle off so many cards right now that she just gets swallowed up by Go Hard, Vile Feast, Unspeakable Horror, Withering Whale if you're still playing that card, hmm. make, it, uh, make It Rain if you're still playing that card. But if you are miraculous enough to level her up, of which I will also have to say, she needs to be on board to see you play 10 different cards, which is also incredibly steep. Oof. Because yeah, because yeah, you said that um, uh, playing eight created cards was steep for Victor, but that was because he was in deck, which makes it very reasonable. And also, he's got four health, which means he's somewhat durable. Zoe needs to be on board to see this. So I'm really scared for her playability because, as a character, uh, she was someone I always really liked. But from reading around the lore and stuff, but as a card, I want her to be good, but I just don't know how it. With Targon, you get access to like Bastion, Pale Cascade, uh, even some Blast Vegas to try and like protect their toughness just a bit. But you'd need to be very all in on Zoe to make her the win condition, whilst also filling the rest of your deck with guys with a lot of keywords to make her level two form really good. 
but she's very all in for I would say. Well, let's say she's not the win con. Let's just say she's the value engine. She would pair very nicely with a Victor because the first thing she makes is the super cool start chart, which is created, and that then creates another card. So it certainly accelerates Victor. Yeah, I feel like the initial designs for Zoe decks would be Zoe and Victor, which I think is the natural choice. Mm. But uh, I'm very, I'm always very interested whenever an expansion for a card game comes out. I'm always very interested to see how the new cards compare to the old cards. So things that make consistent cards, honestly, again, I'm actually very interested in pairing her with Heimerdinger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because those are all cards with different names and they're all uh, units with lots of different keywords to spread out across your team. Yeah, I think feel like you'd overflood your board if you did that, though. <laughs> yeah, probably, but... You could block for days, I suppose. Block, block for days and then give the rest of your team elusive because Zoe has elusive and then hope for the best. Mm. Yeah, she has some playability. I'll be interested to see how far it goes. Me too, but while Zoe may not be necessarily up to some of our... Assumptions, I can say that a lot of the other Targon cards are all very powerful. What do you have to say about some of the other ones? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've... I don't know. What really stands out for you? Because nothing is majorly flashing itself at me. <laughs> well, I'm going to pretty much ignore Targon's Peak, the landmark, because random randomness effects for this kind can absolutely screw you with variants. Because there can be a time mid-game where you make this on ter- on turn five, round six comes around, your three-drop unit that you just drew goes to z- zero cost, and then they just slam Aurelian Soul or Mind Splitter or the Dreadway and draw a Gangplank. The variance around this card is too interesting to not want to play with, but also too risky for me to want to play with it ever. So that's how I feel about that, to be perfectly honest. Can you have more than one landmark in a deck? Yes. Okay, play Targon's Peak and Hexcore Foundry, I dare you. <laughs> it's just the weirdest meme deck ever. Well, I'll be in the right regions for it because I'll have divergent paths to be able to draw them out at random, which will be interesting. Um, I'm not sure how the deck wins, other than like Aurelion Soul with uh, Piltover the Kill Spells to kill everything else. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll just sort of a mean deck of just vomiting things out, but yeah. yeah. That sounds fun. I'll consider it. I'll definitely consider it. <laughs> but the cards that I'm actually uh, excited for are... Uh, we'll go in order that I'm looking at them on the on outofcards.com. Uh, hmm. I would say I really like the look of Spell Thief. Okay. One mana burst speed, pick, get, one, get your choice of one or th- of three random enemy spells that have been played this game, you could get all sorts with this. As long as you've been playing it longer, as long as the games have been going long enough, this could be an amazing top deck if you're running out of gas. It really could be. Because you could get the random Mystic Shots and get excited to blow up some of their boards they're being able to stabilize behind. Or like in the Zoe video, you get stuff like uh, Stalking Shadows to be able to draw through to see some, to find some more units. If you have something huge, but you can't necessarily win. You can get their ruinations, their vengeances, their atrocities, anything. I think this card could be very clutch in a lot of games. 
obviously there are times when it draws you absolutely nothing, but that's the variance of card games. Yeah, I mean, you could time it very well. So if it's fairly early on, they play a very nice spell you'd like the look of. You just play it, and you'd be guaranteed to get that spell if it's their first one. Yeah, pretty much. That's, a, that's also another way to do it, which you can definitely do for one mana. It's just one mana draw a spell from their deck, like a better, a much better rate on um, uh, Kempunk Pickle Hit. Yeah. Yeah, just keep it in, keep that mana in your bank, and then you can just throw that out when you want. But there's lots of ways you can play that. Definitely. I quite like uh, Moonlight Affliction. Silencing two enemy units seems quite good. Yep. Moonlight Affliction is definitely one of the cards I wanted to talk about because silence two enemy units this round for five mana. Five mana is steep, but the way I'm looking at it is if you're able to nightfall it. Because if you're able to nightfall it, this card puts nightfall back into the competitive leagues again. I fully believe that. Yeah. Yeah, if the all everyone's board is just swamped, just immediately stopping two of their creatures from doing anything just seems so good. Because if you're able to, uh, I don't know, uh, f- uh, fading memory something, play this, silence two guys, those two guys can't block, nightfall a card, nocturne, kill you, that is a much better tempo loss than harsh winds, and harsh winds is a huge tempo loss. Mm. I really like the look of this card. I think this card could actually do some very serious things. Interesting. Okay. And it's only a common, so it'd be very easy for you for anyone to craft once the new season drops. But another common that I think I want to sort of possibly wrap up the Targong section with is the Solari Sunforger. Because the Suns deck did need another decent daybreak card at four mana other than Leona. And this one, I think, is absolutely nutty against aggro i love this i love this so much <laughs> it's yeah it is very good value yeah to be able to make like if you're up against it because as of like right now the sort of stronger decks are either uh, go hard variants or variants of ezreal draven pirates and discord this card on its own eats pirates and discard alive. It really does. Being able to, like, on on your turn four, absolutely swamp their attack, or on your turn four, play this swinging crack back, get back a quarter of your life, that is such a huge tempo loss. It's, that's the sort of thing that got Radiant Guardian, Radiant Guardian nerfed from five attack to four attack. So I feel like this is going to have the same sort of, like, one punch, huge heal, but still a huge heal that can really offset your game against Agrodex. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just this round that lies still, isn't it? Absolutely. But it's not something that's going to die straight away, so you're still going to have that body. Yeah, very much so, which is why I think it's also still quite strong. It can stick around even after that, not necessarily having the lifesteal, but it's still a huge threat that the Agrodex can't really attack into, and it can't really... And it will, and it can only chump block it for so long, because... Um, Pirates, they sort of curve into their gangplanks and their jack the winners. They can sort of trade with this, but you make this far quicker than they make those cards. So you have the advantage over the decidedly fast decks. For sure. There's a lot of things that have been particularly interesting here at Targon. So I think with the right shell and the right protection, Zoe could be powerful, but I think a lot remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Yeah. As for today, with the 
big championships wrapping up across Twitch, we have seen the last of the Noxus cards, and we've seen Riven. You were very excited when I showed you these when I messaged them you this uh, just before I had my dinner. How did you, what did you think of Homegirl here? Oh, I've been waiting for us to get onto Noxus, honestly. Riven looks so cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> come on, talk to me. What, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I mean, just from playing Voltron, this is every person's dream. I mean, there's a lot you could do with this card. You could definitely build around it as this is your main sort of card for a deck. Or you could just have it as an include because it is pretty strong on its own. I'd say so. The interesting sort of take from like just looking at her level one form is that I find it very interesting that she, aside from maybe Fizz, who gains keywords after spells, she's one of the few champions that doesn't actually have a keyword ability, but that's fine. She's intended to be a Voltron sort of champion. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. She'll just get more powerful. You don't need to worry about those words. <laughs> but uh, I find the actual wording of her stack ability really interesting. It's not round start when you gain. It's not round start reforge to gain pieces of her rune sword. It's whenever you gain the attack token. Yes. So if you yes, which I think is very markedly interesting. So if you play her in a deck full of rally effects. If you play with Demacia with Relentless Pursuit, and if you play with some number of dragons for Dragon God Lookout, and even in Noxus, if you play her with Darius and his new card Apprehend, or with Shumpo, just to get extra combats so that you can give her more keywords is quite interesting if you're able to do it well enough. Yeah, I can definitely see her with a few scouts in any sort of shell, I think. Yeah, definitely. We can talk also about the sword itself that she forges, uh, because the actual shards that she creates, again, creating cards, some more of a theme here in the set, they give either plus two plus zero this round, quick attack this round, or overwhelm this round. So if you're able to pile it onto her after she levels up, she becomes, well, she wants you to play pump spells on her because her because her power in her attack power increases by two instead of by one for everything you put on her so yeah i'm very impressed with this card yeah and quick attack is just one of my favoritest of you know keywords it's just very good to have i think as well as overwhelm yeah very interested in pairing her with possibly some build war cards to to give vulnerable some key value creatures oh yeah yeah, because you make them block into her so that she just one-shots them before they can do any damage on the crackback. That'd be cool to see, yeah. As I say, she's got a lot of applications, different decks. You could slot her in a lot of ways, I think. Most definitely. And very excited to see that. I want to try and do something either with multiple combats, with rally effects, or just to be able to give put in the good... Uh, reforge effects, be it the one mana creature, the two mana creature, and maybe her spells to sort of bust up as a better. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can definitely do here, which I'm very excited about. Personally, what champion would you pair her with then? I'm wondering what gives the best sort of attack bonuses, because I feel like you. The, the two directions I would sort of take would either be rallies which would either be with Demacia with either Garen or Lucian, 
or you try and go for the Voltron angle where you can buff her, especially after you hit level two. For that, I'd be interested in Tarek from Targon or maybe even Lulu from Ionia, because if you're able to get a decent support chain with some of the... Because honestly, Ionia and Noxus have really good support pairs with uh, Legion Drummer and Kato the Arm, just to give Quick Attack or Overwhelm. And then you've got Lulu, Young Witch, the Elk, Shen even. So it depends on if we want to build her as like a, a combat combo or um, Voltron. Okay. What about you? You've, do you have any ideas on how you'd build Riven? Um, I mean, maybe Quinn. Ooh. I'm not sure. I feel like just putting her with lots of scouts would be an interesting take, but I don't know how good that would be. I'm not sure it would necessarily trigger her attack token reforge trigger, but it would still... Just to have multiple combats is just generally good when you've got a, a very overstated attacker like this. Isn't it whenever you gain the attack token? So if you have a scout... Would that work? I don't know if it would. It might work. Well, it slams down the attack token when you attack with a scout, so I thought that would count. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I hadn't honestly thought about that, and if it does work like that, that'd be really exciting. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Very, yeah. <laughs> so, Riven aside, we've also been given a fairly big pool of Noxus cards. A lot of them, of course, have the Reforged keyword in Blade Squire, Rune Weaver, and Weapon Hilt, her signature card. But uh, what do you make of some of the Noxus cards? Yeah, I mean, the one that screamed, ooh, that's really interesting, was survival skills. Allies can't drop below one health this round. It was just really sad that that's a slow spell. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, it's it's a I would if it was fast. I feel like it would be particularly good against like damage based rats like Avalanche or Icequake, but it wouldn't necessarily protect them from say reckoning or ruination. That would be like a mass spell shield or a mass one turn unyielding spirit but the idea of it is still particularly interesting but the fact is it's made still playable because it can protect your strongest guy if you discard it which is a deck which is a card that could definitely be absorbed as maybe a two of in the uh draven jinx discard deck yeah yeah because you wouldn't really play it in that deck you just always aim to discard it i guess yeah because that's because the suite of when you discard this card things, you can still play them but you get so much more extra value if you do discard them and I've, I play that game that deck on and off quite a bit and I've lost so many games when I've leveled up a Jinx and then they kill the Jinx because I'd be basically top decking at that point and I've so sufficiently run out of gas that the game's basically over if you're able to spinning X, discard this, your Jinx is fine yeah yeah, that would be the play, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a card that terrifies me because it reminds me a lot of Thoughtseize effects and magic is Hunt the Week. That <laughs> card scares scares me to my core. 
Yeah, it, it seems oddly specific. I mean, the two mana slow, that is definitely reminded me of Thought Seas in a way, but discarding the weakest follower? I don't know. It hits a lot of decent combo creatures. It hits Eye of the Dragon out of Least Index. It hits um, Pull Shark out of any Twisted Fate deck. It hits... Uh, likely it hits some of the low end in some of the Ephemerals decks I know you like to play. Yeah. I think the design of it reminds me a lot of those cards, which makes me sort of shudder on the inside, so... I'll always be sort of cautious of discard effects like it. Yeah. 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 But still, uh, Noxus has brought a lot of aggro beef, as I would expect it to. Yeah, it's pretty much what we expected it. So, there's some nice additions there. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Bub, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck. Death. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Past. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or dummies! Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. 
Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. It's not all about Noxus, Piltover, and Targon. We've got cards from every region. Where do we want to take our tour to? Uh, should we go to Ionia next? The land of the sages, the monks, and the ninjas. We've got a monument and what looks to be a monument walking away. <laughs> it's had enough. <laughs> it's had enough. It's out. I'm out. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, homecoming, the monument that's walking away. Yep. Where, I, would, you, where would you play this? I really like it. I honestly really, really like it. I like it for... I like it for Yasuo decks. I like it for Yasuo to be able to recall anything of theirs just to really offset the tempo play and then get some damage in, as we know Yasuo can do. And if you're doing that at the same time as bouncing back one of your own value guys that has a decent play effect, for if, you're, if you're playing this, say, in the Leona version of Yasuo stuns, you can recall back your Raven to heal him and make another sun card. You could bring back your um, Solari Priestess to play again next round to get another invoke. Or you can play this in a chump block and then bounce it back even, especially if you're playing blocking this into a lifestealer, bringing it back so they don't necessarily gain any life. There are a lot of good tricks with this that I'm very excited to try. Yeah, I feel like it would be uh, if they played a removal and then you played this, it would be maximum value. Especially yeah. if you had out your Yasuo, because you'd have um, stopping their removal, you'd bring your guy back safely, and then you'd be bouncing their guy and potentially killing it. So, yep, definitely a huge tempo loss. But then again, I like like Yasuo decks personally, yeah. which is why I think Monastery of Hirana, the landmark, is also quite interesting because it gives you a burst speed recall, but recall that can't be cast outside of. Uh, combat or another spell, so it's a fair recall, which is something we've sort of seen in this set a lot with like the gems and help picks from Lulu. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm not really sure what sort of allies you would target with that. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's the big I forget what he's called the lion that gives an ally. Is it plus, plus three, plus four, yeah, plus, three, plus, plus three, plus three? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, jeweled protector, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much things with good play or summon effects if you want to try and repeat those and get a lot of decent value, especially considering this is only one mana and it's burst, so they can't necessarily respond to it. So you can just sort of loop something fairly 
effectively and it's round start so you're getting one of these every turn if you can honestly i'm surprised that you haven't been on this card a lot more i don't know i mean i'm looking at both of those i want to somehow shovel them into my team build particularly because homecoming has got mushrooms on it but <laughs> no honestly the monastery the, the landmark goes incredibly well with Timo. I just feel like, yeah, because you'd return Timo to hand, they'd Not have honest. their go, and then mm -hmm. Timo would come back out. Is that the play you'd be thinking? Not even. I'm thinking you recall your clump of wumps or your chump wump. Oh, uh, yeah. You play this on three. Let's say they, they went first. They had the attack token round one. You play this on turn three. They attack in. It's fine. On turn four, you play... You play your peddler, have some other Ionia protection cards to keep him safe. Goes to their turn, turn five, you play Chumpwomp, play out the two mushroom clouds, block, bring the Chumpwomp back, next turn play out again, get more mushrooms. That could be an insane engine for the Teemo decks without even seeing Teemo. Potentially. I feel like it's quite... Turn three, you want to be playing other things though, particularly like peddler, things like that. I'm not yeah. sure if you'd want to be using that amount of mana that much, but I don't know. It's definitely the thing, the Ionia Teemo. It's definitely the thing, the Teemo that wants to stall out and be a control deck, because mm -hmm. that deck would have access to Steel Tempest, Concussive Palm, Willow Ionia to help delay and stall the board out. You can even go so far as having, like, Mina Swiffer at the very top end of the curve to just bounce three of their guys. I honestly think this could be the way to just try and get a decent mushroom engine on top of the control cards, I would probably try this with either Teemo Yasuo or Teemo Karma. Personally, because I'm crazy. <laughs> I could see it with Yasuo, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a yeah, lot of recall value there. Yeah. Okay, your turn. Pick a region. Where are we going next? Uh, I want to talk about the Demacia cards, because these cards look mental. <laughs> Okay, start off then. Which one? Uh, we'll go with the slightly less mental one. The uh, an eight mana six six with spell shield outside of Targon. What Captain Arika? Um, I love everything about this. I love everything about this creature. Yeah, I feel. I mean, eight mana is quite steep, but spell shield is just bleh. and then capture yeah. as well. Double capture a Yeah, capture a unit. This can be. Uh, followers or champions or a landmark and the part that a lot of people are missing out on is that she's an elite so she gets buffs from the blacksmith and from uh, uh, Call the Vanguard I think it's called mm. yeah so that's a good addition to the elite deck isn't it Definitely. I would say so yeah because uh, that deck uh, at the top end it plays for the fallen obviously because you end up having that eight mana card in your opening hand but eventually when you want to play it it costs nothing you have this as a top end in uh on top of your three copies of cythria and maybe you're one of of angry woman tiana because <laughs> if you play because if you play this against like the field the rush decks if you play this against some monstrosity that's been able to play a 12 mana sorcery on turn nine get their Trundle and their Trindamere up to 10 power. You play Homegirl here, grab their Trindamere, and if and if they kill her, then kill her again to get the Trindamere back, he goes back down to being an 8-4. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's good value on a card. Yeah. She's a creature, she's removal spell, and she protects herself. That's just very good. And 6-6 six, six is still a fairly hefty stat line. It's not the biggest you'd expect at this cost, but it's still fairly hefty. And even outside of the elite decks, I'd be very interested to see this as a, another finisher to try and hopefully bring Lux Karma back from the dead. Because I loved that deck when I first started this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I doubt it if we saw it just staying as a 6-6. Six, six, it would probably go in a build where it got pumped quite a bit. Yeah. As a sort of a team pump. As you'd imagine. And then you consider the combo potentials of pairing this alongside the Dragon decks, which are starting to play mobilize these days. Three mana burst, reduce the cost of everything in your hand by one. So you could probably get her down a bit in costs eventually. Yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. Yeah. And as good as that is, the far stronger card is the Demacia Landmark, the Grand Plaza. Yeah, I mean, initially I passed that up, but now I'm looking at it. Whew. Yeah. It's it's natural to say that every landmark will be a loss of tempo. You're not contributing to the board for attackers and blockers, and you're not necessarily drawing extra cards or giving yourself an advantage. But mm. the overall board pressure this represents... It's crazy, because if you have this out from the beginning, when you're playing Demacia sort of mid-range, the later the game goes, your Scythrias and your Fleet Feather Trackers look really, really naff on round 7 and 8. But to give them that little extra bump and challenger so that your real attackers can get in, this is actually an insanely immense card. I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I think this could go in quite a few builds, actually. It's... Mm. Uh... It's just a solid way to make your creatures into removal, getting rid of their sort of value creatures in a very reliable way. Definitely. And the pump as well. I'll be happy if it was just if it was a if it was just the granted pump without the challenger, if it was one another assignment grind plus one plus one at three minutes, I'd have been happy with it. The fact that it's give the buff and challenger is immediately somehow better. Yeah. It's exciting. It is very exciting. Seems very good. <laughs> Your turn, friend. Where do we journey to now? Uh, where to? Should we go to Bilgewater? Catch up with them pirates. Well, we're yeah. not seeing any pirates here, but we're catching up with some pirates. Yeah, I mean, the pirates are referenced with the boom ship. Yep, the boom ship. Um, deal one, then summon some powder cakes equal to the amount of damage dealt. I want to be able to abuse this card, but I really don't know how. So I feel like you'd need some powder cakes already out. Powder cakes and or funsmith, but that to that effect, yes. Yeah. So on its own, it would deal one damage and deal get get you a powder cake. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you already have powder cakes out, this is effectively adding one to your powder cakes. You're not actually losing them. So it's solid removal and keeping your powder cakes. So if you want to do this and something that would be very nice yeah um, i'm not yeah. i'm not sure how much play it will see because it's to a unit it's not even to face it's not something you could abuse with lots of powder cakes i don't know it's interesting yeah i think it's again this is just me brewing things that will probably never ever be competitive but are interesting in my head um, a deck I've always really wanted to try would be Immense Powder Keg Control with Gangplank and Karma. 
Now, hear me out here. If you level up a karma and place stuff like more powder uh, and this, just to create immense amount of kegs, blow something up, create that same number of kegs doubled back, play gangplank attack, that's Riptide Rex level damage on an attack. I hear you like kegs. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you like kegs, so I got powder, powder with your powder so you can blow things up while you blow things up. Yeah, that seems like a very win morse kind of deck, but I love uh, it yeah. just because it's just you're blowing stuff up with so much powder. Really much so, yeah. I want it to be good, but I really don't know where the shell for it is. Yeah. Okay, going on then to uh, the Wiggly Burplefish. <laughs> so, so funny. So There's funny. such good names coming out. Yeah, they do. Um, so yeah, reduce my cost by one for each spell you've cast this game. When I'm summoned, cre create one co cost spell card from your regions in hand. Um, sell it to me. I I'm not really that interested. <laughs> me neither, but I want to be just because it's cute. Yeah, I feel like this is something you play in a dedicated Fizz deck, and dedicated Fizz decks haven't been great in a while, and I really don't know why, because Fizz is really obnoxious if you play him properly. Um, I feel like the way you do this is you play the classic Fizz Voltron. You play Fizz and maybe Twisted Fate, with Freljord, so that you have access to your copies of Entreat to draw him every time you need him. You play Fizz, you play stuff like uh, Shared Spoils, Starlet Seer, Omen Hawk, just to buff Fizz while he's in deck, and the rest of the deck is just as many efficient burst spells as you possibly can. Having this is just another extra way just to have another elusive threat that can come down under-costed. Sure, I laugh and shadow while I was looking at one health, but <laughs> just to have that extra possibility of a threat on top of Fizz that's been receiving all of those buffs, and if you're playing it in Bilgewater, you can be triple, quadruple galaxy brain meme and play Mind Meld to, okay. yeah, to give your team plus uh, base stats equal to the number of spells you've played. So if you've been able to churn out a bajillion gajillion spells you've got an elusive fizz and elusive this and a bunch of other random fish people that fizz sort of rolls with like his app spray fins and what have you all at like nine nine ten ten with elusive yeah i, I definitely see it as being an ordinary fish person <laughs> yeah and that's definitely a meme tier deck 3000 that will never make it anywhere but it'll be so fun to goozle new players with yeah yeah. I feel like a lot of these cards are very fun. Um, none of them are hugely game-breaking, but there are some. There are some. Very true. With that, I think we can only turn next to the spooky, scary Shadow Isles. Mm. Yeah, nothing huge added here. There's only two cards, mm, and yeah. neither of them are really screaming at me. One's an absolute meme, the pesky spectre. Yeah. What? <laughs> I challenge you to put that in a deck and make oh, it work. I, oh, I will. Believe me, I will. I already have plans. Do you know what I hear what my plans are? I don't feel like I have a choice. Go for it. <laughs> have you heard of a card called Iceborne Legacy? 
No, refresh me. It's a Freljord card, four mana slow spell. Um, choose an ally you control, grant, uh, grant allies with that name everywhere, plus two, plus two. What? So you have you play this on turn one for no mana. You wait a couple of turns, then you iceborne legacy this before you swing, of course, because it's got ephemeral. Your all the versions in your deck will be three threes compared to their versions that'll always be one ones. And you'll and each time you swing in with them, they're gonna make two copies you're gonna make two copies with them, they're gonna make two copies for you, and you're going and yours will exponentially be bigger than theirs will, and neither of you will ever deck out. So as long as you don't die to whatever their deck wants to do, you will have bigger ghosts than their ghosts. I feel like that's just a slightly badder Mithrace deck, but okay. Oh, it's a way worse Mithrace deck. <laughs> these days, Mithrace don't even play that card. Do you know what Mithrace do this day, these days? No. They, they play the Fearsome's Tribal Package so that everything's spooky and Doom Beast just for extra drains, and then they play Ionia just for three copies of Deny. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I played against that deck the other day. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it, it did well in the championships. Nah. I mean, I like it because it's got three deny in it. Of course you do, you blue player. Yeah. Yeah. Some things don't change. But <laughs> uh, even with that meme card aside to meme tier status, which I th- where I think it deserves to be, the Evershade Stalker actually might be something that brings back your pal, Hecarim. Yeah, it feels very reminiscent of the... Uh, I forgot what it's called. The lady that does the same thing, basically. Nightshade Stalker? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> You're the go-to yeah, just... on these, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, um, no, Nightshade's still, uh, that is not the card I'm thinking of. Never mind. But, um, honestly, I do think this is the under-costed, extra-good Nightfall creature that honestly makes Nocturne good outside of just your classic Nightfall with Targon. Because mm. for Nocturne to be good, he needs as many non-Targon Nightfall cards as possible. And I'd argue that the second best Nightfall card isn't in Targon. Because the best Nightfall card is obviously Pale Cascade. Mm-hmm. Pale Cascade's arguably one of the most broken cards in the game right now. Really? That far? Yeah. Are you kidding <laughs> me? If it was plus two, plus zero, it'd be fine. But just honestly, sometimes one extra health puts things out of so many different kill spells. And then drawing a card on top. It's it's incredibly strong. It's incredibly strong. But when you look at this card, because the other strongest Nightfall card, I would say, is um, uh, Unspeakable Horrors, because it's pinged to anything, including face, with draw a card on top. So that is obviously particularly strong. But... The thing about this, and this is it actually really just hit me now, is that it makes a copy of itself in your hand. Mm-hmm. So you can still keep looping this. Oh, yeah. So that you always have like a version of it to attack with, and then it will make another version of itself. So it, it never goes away. That's why I think the Noxus card was printed, the discard the weakest follower, so that you can get rid of this thing so that it doesn't stop looping. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm more, the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm just thinking of gremlins. But yeah. <laughs> well, it is a particularly evil gremlin. Um, and I'm very excited to possibly do things with it either at the very least with Nocturne, but this might be another low cost. Elusive um, has a form of evasion in the fearsome and recursible ephemeral creature that might bring Hecarim back. Yeah, I'll definitely play it in that shell. I'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's cool. With that, though, that is pretty much all 40 cards from Cosmic Creation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have we done Feralord? Your favorite, your favorite region. If I'm yeah, coming. hold them horses. <laughs> Terribly sorry. Lead us, lead the charge across your favorite frozen wasteland. Okay, the uh, Scar Grounds. So good, so good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it's very similar in a way to the Grand Plaza, not in what it does, but just it does plus one and well plus zero, so it's not as good in that respect. And then tough toughness. Yes, but uh, <laughs> one thing, one point in the Skullgrounds' favour is that this is a grant. How do you mean? This The, the plus one plus oh and tough is permanent. Yes. Yeah, is, that seems is, really good. Which is incredibly strong, but it's a, it's a grant, but it's not a one-off buff either. So it can still keep growing in plus one power every single time it takes damage, and it'd be more resilient to it because of the tough. Yeah, so obviously that and it being in Feral Lord, it's going to be with a really big creatures you play this, I think. But Potentially, I'm personally more interested in playing this in the Bloody Snow archetype. I play this with Braum and with Vladimir. Ooh, oh, with Braum would be really cool. With Braum, it's great. Just to give Braum tough and regeneration means that nothing gets past him and he'll keep growing in power. I play this also with Vladimir because he pings all of your team as part of his level up and part of his attack. So giving them all tough means that they blank his pings when he attacks, but they all gain power at the same time. This is like Legion veteran on steroids. At the same time, the the snowball potential of this with stuff like the Crimson Package, the Crimson Curator and the Crimson Disciple, just to ping damage for face and to create more cards in hand. And then you get cards like Unscarred Reaver, Scarmade Stethan, and Scarmade Vrinmother, uh, Scarmother Vrinna, all the ones who gain power whenever they take damage. So they can grow in power exponentially. The Vladimir deck has always been like tier 3, tier 4 status for ages, but this card could actually make it for real. I love that effect as well, that you're pinging your dudes, but you don't care because they're not actually taking damage, but they're still technically taking damage to trigger the effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just value. Yeah, this card could actually really make Vladimir a decent champion again, and I'm very excited for that. It's very cool, yeah. And then It the Stairs, eh. I like the idea of it, and like the eight, the Freljord Ancients have always been particularly big, f- splashy cards. To be able to obliterate landmarks just for the play effect is quite nice, obviously. And it's all landmarks, so you better not be running them yourself. I don't think you'd be necessarily be playing landmarks if you're playing this card. Um, you might play some number of the Howling Abyss just to make random champions, but you're, you're making like eight eights for eight that nuke the entire aggro board. 
if aggro somehow survives a format with Sunforger in it, then this card looks amazing because it wipes away uh, all of the uh, Discard's little guys and all the Pirates' little guys. But as a card itself, it's a decent board clear that uh, clears a lot more than you would think it would. Yeah, I feel like there's other cards that do a better job, but it, it's there. It does a job. Yeah. I also feel like this card might hopefully push Tom Kench Soraka out of the universe. Yeah. Because personally, I'm sick to death of that deck. And <laughs> this this card is like, now that I think about it, is geared so well to dealing with that deck because uh, getting rid of the landmarks and getting rid of the landmarks so that their team can't get those heals and then dealing the damage to everything else. Yeah, I feel like landmark removal is steadily increasing and will continue to. Yeah. So we've got to take that with a pinch of salt, although there are some very powerful landmarks here. There will be more removal now in the meta. Which is, yeah, definitely something I can sort of see. I mean, you've got cards like Scorched Earth and Aftershock, which are playable without them destroying the landmarks, then then you've got to consider, is this landmark actually going to really help me win the game? For the example of Starspring, the deck, uh, the Tom Kitsuraka deck actually needs that to win sometimes, unless they're being down with uh, Stargazer. But the Grand Plaza and the Scargrounds just supercharge your Demacia or uh, Blood in the Snow archetype decks so heavily that they are very strong contenders. So the people may need to start playing more ways to interact with landmarks in future. So... It's good to see. Yeah, they the uh, Grand Plaza and the Scar Grounds, they help you win, whereas the Star Spring makes you win, I suppose. So that's the difference. Very much so. Now, I'm no longer getting ahead of myself. I can very assuredly say that we have covered all of the things. A hundred percent. Yay. <laughs> now that we've talked it through in a bit of context, are, are you feeling more or, dare I say, less excited about the expansion? I'm 100% more excited, yeah. I think talking things through, you can see where the power lies within this new release. So there's definitely some cards I'm going to be bringing in straight away. To that end, actually, I'm glad you were able to phrase it that way. Uh, to listeners who are who have caught us, uh, almost certainly know about our antics on the hostile atmosphere, us petting decks against each other in best of three sort of styles. Um, I'm imagining, as of the time of recording this, the cards we've just talked about will be hitting our collection sometime within the same week, which means that as soon as we have access to them, dear listeners, we will be playing them for your viewing pleasures on the Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube against each other. But, Will, I put this to you earlier, and I'm going to let you have the choice, because I will play just about anything. Which of the three champions do you want to build your decks around for the next lot of videos? I think you can guess, can't you? I'm pretty sure, but I want you to. I want you to say, it. speak her name. Riven. You want, you want to build some Riven Voltron, some Riven Agro. I am very here for. It. I'm very excited to see what you put together. I think I will build something mechanical with Victor. Yeah, I'm I saw not that coming. Yeah, I'm not because sh- let's like I want to challenge myself and make Zoe good, and that'll probably be the video after these initial two. Because it's my turn, I think, as of the time of recording. I have lost track. Pretty sure, because the last one, the last video that went out as of now was K-pop Poros. Oh, yeah. 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 So, tell you what, 
uh, I'll be on a vector deck, then you'll be on a riven deck, then I'll attempt to make Zoe work. Sounds good. Join us for that, guys. Yep. Uh, there'll be links to the Hostile Atmospheres YouTube channel uh, in the show notes as you are scrolling through your podcast app of choice. But until next time, this has been the Hostile Takeover, us talking about gaming galore, and otherwise we're going to sh- sign off. Will, my good pal, are there any places on the interwebs where people may yet find you, or is that just going to be on our video goodness? That shall be on our video goodness, yes. Yes, indeed. For those who want to look for my writing in and around the gaming sphere, look to the host of this podcast and my pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, or for something more niche around the role-playing antics, you can find my many monster stat blocks on Apotheosis Studios' blog, where I write many things about Dungeons & Dragons. For a humble chat, or to talk, tell me that I'm absolutely wrong about assessing cards, you can follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, which is my screen name on basically everything. This has been Adam and Will of the Hostile Takeover. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live free and play well. Thanks for joining us, guys. some friends of mine rewired till i arrive at the end of time this is music to play in black holes alternative futures retune to play on your onboard computer a song to play in batmobiles or plastic man's ipod zatanna backwards magic words or marvel man my god fire up the turbines the game's afoot underwear over tights is now a good look if there's been monkey business i head off on a mission i'm ready for anything in a head-on collision so listen all vagabonds scoundrels and villains beware because it's on this is just the beginning no cape just a time belt with vivid shine every hero needs theme music and this is mine Drinking his tea. This is your tune now, your theme music. Stand strong in the storm or easily breeze through it. I'm passing a mantle, bestowing a gift. It might take you some training before you know what it is. It's the bite of a spider that's radioactive. It's mutant synapses becoming finally active. When no one else could ever really walk in your shoes. Walking into exams or out of job interviews. To deal with every evil ex or several devilish kids. To enter the ring already a legend, ready to win whenever it is. Every right to work on a Monday in a hurricane. Tired and you're underpaid, find you want to run away. Hey, face front true believer. If you don't believe in you, then they won't either. This is the teaser trailer for your blockbuster event. And you're at the center. This is so intense. When I just to the point that I'm